welcome to Deep Rooted Healing, a contemplative podcast exploring the healing bridges that connect the body, mind, heart, and soul, including creative practices, touch, nature, spirituality, and community. I'm Emma Freeman, an artist, poet, massage therapist, and Reiki practitioner. I'm a highly sensitive person and sober. This podcast is a record of my own unfolding spiritual journey. May it be supportive for you in some way. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. This week, I'm really excited to share a conversation that I had with a fiber artist named Cheryl Janice, who is based in Taos, New Mexico. Cheryl is a phenomenal artist, and we connected on Instagram um, sometime last year, and I started following her fiber work and was so mesmerized by the work that she makes and the fibers that she uses. She describes um, in beautiful words the relationship that she feels to animals and how she chooses to work with ethical fibers that different companies that uh, treat the animals really well and um, I've really felt a connection um, to her in that capacity and then also being a fiber person um, I, she really introduced me to a lot of these different new fibers that I've been working with in my own practice so I asked her if we could have a conversation about her art practice and her life so I could get to know her a little bit more. And it was such a beautiful conversation. Um, we talked about how how she works with the different fibers, her transition from weaving to felting. And this conversation was a few months ago when she was right in that transition. And since then, she's been diving deep into felting. Um, so it was really fun to talk about that. And we talked about her deep spiritual life and how she went through a dark night of the soul experience and um, what that opened up for her both in her art practice and in her life and how it really connects deeply to her art making now Um, we talked about her her thoughts and philosophy around money and how she did and continues to do deep energy work and healing to transform her relationship to money as an artist and she talked about how she has an energy healing business that came out of her own healing journey and how she works with people and animals to help clear any energy that's stuck that's keeping them from moving forward and I just really loved talking with Cheryl we are kindred spirits in many different ways and she just has this warmth and depth to her that I really appreciate and she's very generous with what she shares and um, how she talks really openly about her experiences. And I really loved it and I hope that you enjoy hearing the conversation too. If you want to um, learn more about Cheryl and see her amazing work, you can find her on Instagram, Cheryl R. Janice. I'll link to that in the show notes too so you can find it there. And I'll also link to her website so you can dive deep into her world. Um, and see what she is all about. And um, one request, if you have, if you like this conversation and you uh, or other episodes that I've shared, I would love if you left a review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Um, that will really help other people find it um, who might enjoy it. And it kind of feels like 
um, you know, really simple, beautiful word of mouth connection, like telling a friend like, oh, I think you'd really like this or I think you should listen to this. Um, I like thinking about the reviews in that way. And that's kind of how the podcast land works. Apparently, they'll spread the word to more people if podcasts have more reviews. So I'm going to start requesting that more um, to anyone who will take a few minutes to leave one and share any words about what you enjoy um, or what you would like to see more of. Anything that you want to share would be wonderful. All right, um, let's get into the conversation. Uh, So I jump right in with my first question. So here we go. So I would love to start by um, hearing about your creative journey and how you discovered weaving, how weaving came into your life. Okay, so in 2017 or so, I was living in Sebastopol, California, which is about, this is a really beautiful town in Sonoma County, California. It's about an hour north of San Francisco. And it's kind of a little hippie town and it's also very expensive. A lot of people want to live there. And so did we. And I learned, I was learning the techniques of weaving at that time. My mother was an artist. She was a painter. And so that kind of energy kind of runs in our family. And I did some weaving there and it was really, it was, it was okay. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't what I, what I do now. And then in, uh, 2019, uh, well, in 2018, I started to go into what's called a dark night of the soul time. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's a term that was coined by St. John of the Cross in, he was a Spanish mystic in the 16th century. Um, Emma, have you heard of him? No, but I've heard of dark night of the soul. Yeah. So, you know, he went, he wrote a book about it. He wrote some poems, poetry and and that sort of has taken hold of, you know, of, of what this time is. But it's basically a time where you are experiencing darkness and uh, for, for an extended period of time. And sometimes you can think you're going crazy. And, you know, when, when we become unwell, uh, you know, we humans, we do whatever we can to try to figure out what's going on on and to find the solution. So this was an, a dark night of the soul time is when uh, you cannot, you, you, if you imagine having your worst day that you ever had or time in grief when a, a beloved has passed or something just terrible has happened to you and imagine you extend that out over two years <laughs> every day, right? Emma, have you had one? Yes. Okay. So yeah. you, you get it. Um, yeah. And it's really when the soul is not getting, the soul is, is, is really wanting to speak and it's not getting what it, what it wants or what it, what it came here to experience. And it, it, it's a helpful thing when you look back on it and during it, it's, it's a tremendously um, difficult and challenging time. Uh, for me, it was very emotional. So depression, anxiety, a lot of out-of-body experiences, a lot of spiritually transformative experiences. So anyway. I can talk about that in a little bit, but I kind of want to get you to the part when I moved to Sebastopol. So at the same time, there's a bunch of fires going on, um, the start of these very horrific fires in that area. And in 2017, a dear friends of ours lost their home. We were there. And then, you know, that evening it was gone. And so 
the mountains were calling and in early 2019, uh, my husband and I and our two cats just kind of packed up and came to the Southwest. And we spent a little time in Colorado, but ended up in Taos, uh, New Mexico, which is where we live now. And when I got here, I just immediately felt connected to the spirits here and the energy here. There's, if you've ever been here, you know that it's a special place There's special lighting and there's kind of this magical quality. And uh, they say that there are vortexes here, which are kind of like uh, energy points along the earth that uh, sort of amplify energy. So that's why a lot of people come here to heal, kind of like Sedona in that way, right, Emma? Yeah. Um, it has that really uh, incredible quality if you if you if you if you can handle it, and if you like that, uh, it's, it's quite magical. So. I immediately started uh, feeling that energy and communicating because I'm a I channel and so and I'm an empath and a sensitive highly sensitive person and I channel spirit spiritual beings and I started channeling and and through that dark night of the soul time which lasted into the early early 2020 um it, uh, it it was it was going through this this process and so um it also opened up um, this incredible connection to the Hopi spiritual um, grandmother here, spider grandmother is what they call her. And she was, she just started, uh, I just started having all this flow, creative flow and it was just coming through her and through, through the land here. And I just started weaving like crazy. Wow. Long answer to your Oh, question, beautiful. I love it. it. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> and did you, um, I'm so curious how, through that process of the dark night of the soul and healing and kind of waking up your sensitivity um, has since you got to Taos and you've started to channel and, and tap into that, have you noticed, um, does it continue to evolve and, and um, Oh yeah. Can you talk oh, about yeah. that? Sure. So, so it's always evolving. So I, um, I was born a highly sensitive person. And if you don't know what that is, those of you listening and you feel like you might be a highly sensitive person, um, Elaine Aaron wrote a book about it called the highly sensitive person. And, uh, and, and I highly recommend getting that. So you don't feel like you're, you're absolutely nuts. Um, so in empaths and highly sensitive people, we have a sense sensitive nervous system. We're born that way. And so we tend to need a lot of alone time and, we actually thrive in that and we love deep, meaningful conversations. If that's you and we don't really like small talk and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, loud noises and being around, you know, large groups of people, it's not like our favorite thing. And, you know, I, I know, I know you listening out there and I know you, Emma, you know, totally and completely understand that. So, um, I've always been sensitive, sensitive child growing up. And then, uh, as an adult, I started studying, uh, feng shui design and that's for those of you who don't know that's uh, working with the energy in a space to kind of improve your life and you know sort of tapping into that and I became certified in that and so I was already channeling at that time I didn't really know it's totally completely different from what it is now but I was channeling and helping others and then I went into healthcare interior design and of course you know being a sensitive you really understand spaces and how how to improve them for the patient experience and all this stuff and then with the dark night of the soul time i started um it was just like incredibly uh really scary and i started uh 
seeing things and channeling beings and lots of supportive beings were there and lots of, you know, really scary stuff. So, you know, I found a mentor to kind of guide me through this. And, you know, in our culture, I just have to say in our culture, we don't, you know, we send people that go through these kinds of things to a psychiatrist or even to a psychiatric hospital. And while those have their place, certainly, um, it's pretty scary going through that and not having like the culture support it. You know, you kind of have to sort of self-isolate. And, and, you know, I had my husband, thank God, and who's just this loving, dear being. And then I found a mentor who just, you know, really was with me for those two years. And so, and just, you know, my own thing. So I started just opening up and actually um, uh, my clairsentience, which were my feelings, and the ability to connect to uh, the invisible world through my feelings expanded and then all the other senses as well. So that started expanding in a way that I had never you know, experienced. And it was a lot of clearing out of stuff, clearing out of childhood stuff, clearing out of entities. And a lot of people think that entities are scary and they're just, it's just negative energies. So um, I think television has taught us that entities are, you know, horrible poltergeist beings and certainly those exist but that's not really helpful to think about them in that way they're just negative energy so it was you know an opening there and I'm trying to explain it so now so through that two-year process I developed a daily practice of connecting to my spirit guides and learning a protocol called the body code and I became a practitioner and uh was trained through my mentor. And so every day there was a practice, a clearing, conversations with my guides. And uh, every month or so is kind of a different theme. Some themes are ancestral. And then going through that, helping to clear that out. Uh, some, some months are, you know, more childhood, more what happened in this lifetime. Um, and then, you know, now as I, 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 now have a practice where I help others. So I have an energy practice called Nishama Energy Healing, where I help others, um, mostly healers, but also other people who are just struggling and going through a lot of emotional and physical stuff. So I use what I've learned to help others now. And it's just, Emma, it just continues to, it just continues to grow. I, I channeled some tools, some grids, some goddess wheels. And so I am a multi-dimensional sort of this traveler. And so I channeled various different beings in various different dimensions. And while I'm very grounded here and kind of rooted in, in, on the earthly plane, I'm also, I also go way out there, you know, and that's just who I am. And it continues to evolve. What's happening now, uh, is that the veils are really thin. You might be feeling this and past lives are coming up more and things that we thought were resolved are not, or they're, they're coming to the surface. And as my mentor loves to say, I mean, this is an opportunity for healing. So um, yeah, it's just, wow, what a ride. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> and so much of what you shared about the your dark night of the soul experience really resonated with me and what I've walked through. And I've been wanting to open up and share, talk about it because of what you said, I really felt like 
I felt isolated. I felt like I went into a cocoon, which felt necessary, but I also felt very lonely and felt like there weren't, people weren't talking about that in our culture. So there really wasn't, um, I didn't feel like I had community around, especially in the dark, darkest dark. And so I just kept stepping slowly, was working with a therapist and just trying to piece it together, trying to figure out what was happening. Yeah. Um, as I have walked through that and realized so many things that makes me want to share and open up about that experience too, just so people, other people who have maybe walked through something similar say, oh, right. I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. I'm, you know, exactly. Yeah. So thank you for sharing all of that. I appreciate my pleasure. So I'm curious how, well, first, can you describe your weaving practice and your weaving style for anyone who isn't familiar with your work? Sure. So um, I'm an intuitive weaver and uh, an intuitive, intuitive weavers uh, don't really have a plan before they begin <laughs> their art, uh, their, their weave. So some weavers are really into like structure and kind of drawing out a design and then that flows into their creation, which is fantastic. That's not me. Um, what, what is me is, 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 is looking at the, the fibers and seeing what calls to me and connecting with my guides, connecting with the land here. So I live in a place in nature that's absolutely beautiful. So 360 degree views of mountains and mesa views and just the sky and the clouds and just the trees. So I have a lot of that. So that's really good. But even if you don't, um, anyway, so I just, uh, kind of look at the weave, I pick my colors, and then I just uh, tune in to what, uh, kind of like what you do, Emma, you know, you tune in, and I tune in, and then I start weaving. I mean, of course, I've learned a lot. I learned a lot of structure in the beginning, right? Just like anything new, you, I learned stitches, and I ended up, I ended up, um, you know, practicing for, you know, a long time, and then throwing a lot of that away because I wanted to do my own thing and my own creation. And then, so that feel that that's, so I'm an intuitive weaver. I create, um, textural wall pieces. Uh, I channel the beings, beings of light. Um, for example, one of my weaves is called the violet flame. So St. Germain and the violet flame, spiritual energies are infused into this piece and you can feel it. And my journey through this process also reflects that, you know, and so I channel the angelic beings, I channel the archangels, specific ones. And that's, that's kind of my style. And, and, you, you know, you can follow me on Instagram um, you know, just look, look up my name. I think I'm Cheryl R. Janice to look more closely at my process. And if you're interested in my weaves, which is also, also changing now, I'm, I'm totally moving into something else too. Um, also fiber arts. I'm moving into, um, felting. Oh, oh that's right. I saw your post yeah. about that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, in 2020, I was in Santa Fe and I, my husband and I were sitting outside because, you know, you, you know, with COVID, you're sitting outside in this beautiful restaurant. And then I went in to use the bathroom and I walked out. And as it happens, I know that we've all had this experience. I looked up on the wall and I saw this kind of large scale felted art on the wall. And I went, oh, 
And I knew that that was coming, but I didn't know how, and I didn't even know what that was. And it's here, it's arrived, and I'm just thrilled. And I'm kind of moving into that, actually moving out of the weaving, moving into it, but I'll kind of bring the two together. It's just, uh, it's just incredible. I have a new set of guides who are working with me, spirit guides. Um, They're just amazing. It's so amazing. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, thank you. Um, I would love for you to share, talk about the materials that you use because they are so important to you and your deep connection to animals and all of that. Sure. So when I started uh, doing more, we, you know, I, I was just real, I really dove in in the beginning of 2020 with COVID and all that. There was just like this insatiable appetite and I was just making all these large goies. Well, at first I was just donating hundred percent of my profits to farm animal sanctuaries. So I'm vegan and I love animals and uh, part of the materials that I don't think people are very aware of that go into clothing and weaving, which I do are from wool and wool is from sheep. And there are just so many different varieties of sheep, right? And so actually a lot of people don't know this a lot of people do uh, but for the people that don't know I want to share that uh, a lot of sheep uh, go through a painful process when they shear um, the animals so you know they have hair and then they shear them twice a year or whatever and there's this really painful process that's been actually outlawed in New Zealand now which is wonderful and I don't think they use it in the United States it's called mulesing and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, you can look it up, M-U-L-E-S-I-N-G. And, you know, the, the stuff that comes from China and some of the stuff that comes from India and some of the cheaper wool is um, the animals aren't treated well. In fact, when they use this process, it's, it's I'm not going to go into the details because it's not necessary. We don't need to put that into our energy. It's just, um, why support that? So I didn't it was really important to me. And you can kind of, you can feel the energy of fibers when they arrive. If they're, if the animals were treated with love and the process was, wasn't, is doesn't have chemicals or this and that, you can feel it and it's more expensive and it's totally worth it. So I'd say it's about 30% more expensive and it's so worth it. And so this became a core value for me. Um, so anything I use in my weave. So the wool comes from sheep who are loved on, who, who uh, from farmers who are either hobby farmers or who practice uh, conscientious sustainability on those farms. Um, because I work, because I donate, I don't donate, I can't donate 100% of my profits now to farm animal sanctuaries, but I donate some still. And I can't really, it seems like kind of an opposition if I were to, you know, donate some of that money, but I earned it from animals who were, who were mistreated. So I use things like pea silk. And for those of you who don't know, silk is actually comes from a worm and they usually boil the worms and I don't need to get into it. And there's this thing out there called pea silk. And what that means is that they, uh, the people in India and other places go out to the forest and they collect the cocoons of the worms after they've left them permanently and nobody gets hurt. And, and, you know, I think it's part of the Hindu practice. Ahimsa means, I think it's a Sanskrit word for, I think it's Sanskrit. 
for uh, do no harm. And so I think a lot of Hindus in India, you know, really practice that. So I use pea silk. I use all, you know, incredible amounts of plant fibers. I like uh, bleached flax and unbleached flax. Uh, the stuff that comes from Belgium is just magical. I love using hemp roving. And I've been on a mission to find wool, which I have that in larger quantities, because I'm going to be doing felting now that comes from sheep that are uh, fairly treated. And I found a place in Wyoming, which is not too far from New Mexico and all these things. So in the process, I've done a lot of research. So if you ha ever have any questions, uh, please feel free to reach out. I, I've spent a lot of time. So I use rose fibers and different things, banana fibers. There's a lot of alternatives to, to wool as well. Although with felting, I need to use some wool. So that's uh, my, I have, a, a, you know, a lot of, I have a devotion to animals. So I also work on animals. I, I work on animals actually for free in my practice. And I work on all kinds of farm animals and all kinds of uh, birds and different things. So it's, it's amazing, actually. So long-winded answer. There you go. I love long-winded <laughs> answers. They're my favorite. Of course you are. You're an empath <laughs> yeah. and an introvert. Yeah. And yeah. I want to go deep. Yeah, um, right. Me too. Would you be willing to share some of the places that you find your fibers for anyone interested? Sure. Which ones? Which ones? Oh, in particular, I was thinking, I know you've shared some on Instagram that I've looked into, but the, the rose, the one that's like white, fluffy. Yeah, that? so rose fiber, um, wet belly, wet belly fibers. Just look it up online. That's where I get my rose fibers. So, you know, I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm on, sort of on the fence about using it in the future because I think it's a little bit processed. Um, so, but it's, it's gorgeous. It comes from the rose bush after the roses have died off and they process it like cellulose. Um, banana fibers, she also sells banana fibers, but you can get that, so roving, it's like really soft. If you look on my Instagram page, you can see examples and I really, on my posts, I, I call it out. And then um, the piece silk I get from Yarn Yarn, they're an ethical fiber company from out of England. And they're just lovely. They support women in, um, I wanna say India. And then Love Fest Fibers is another place. Love Fest Fibers, they're in San Francisco. And the owner is just in love with Tibet. She has a long history and a deep connection with Tibetans. And so she brings in, um, through her company, she brings in uh, yak uh, wool, or what they call yak down from the Kulu region, which is, I think, in the, I want to say Western side. and. Um, Yak are these huge animals that have a lot of hair and you may have seen pictures of them. They live in high plateau areas in the Himalayas and things like that. And so I learned from Love Fest Fibers that um, they shed their, they actually just shed their hair once a year and it, they just collect it on the ground. Literally, it's as soft as cashmere. Oh my gosh. With no cruelty. And it's, so they sell that at Love Fest Fibers. And you can look, you can just Google them or, um, or look on Instagram and they also carry wool and it, but it's, it's like this beautifully dyed, uh, 
wool from the wool itself is from uh, New Zealand, which is cruelty free pretty much. And they uh, support women in 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 um, Nepal who who spin it. And these women are just smiling all the time. You know, she she'll post images of the women, and they're so joyful. And they also support people in Tibet through their you know through their fibers. And so there's this deep concern for for not only good fibers that are cruelty free, but also um, help people, you know, help them live their lives sustainably and uh, with, you know, earning a living wage and all that good stuff. That's so beautiful. So those are the kind of businesses that I like to support. I mean, there's just so many and, you know, one person, one friend reached out to me and said, Oh, can you tell me all your resources? And I was just like, the text was a book of, you know, it was just so long. And so I know I need to put that together somewhere and I will probably, and I'll put that on my website at some point, but um, any, any others that, that sort of caught your attention that I can share I think, about? I think yeah. those were the ones in particular. Okay. Thank okay. you. Yeah, yeah. My pleasure. I think it's also, um, I just appreciate you that you work with these fibers and talking and sharing them because I, I know it was eye-opening for me because I didn't realize um, what you described about wool, I didn't know. And just thinking more deeply about the fibers yeah. and their connection to the earth and to the humans right. who, are, who are producing them and collecting, gathering them and the animals and all of that. There's so much yeah. to be... Um, just connected more deeply to mm-hmm. in and of itself, just the fibers. But then when we work with them in our art practices, I think that energy is yeah. so, it, just really powerful and beautiful to me to think, to start to incorporate all of that into the art process. So it's not just, I think sometimes, or maybe before I became more in tune with, I feel like I'm more and more um, welcoming those deeper connections into art making. So it's not just about like a material, just like a paintbrush, and then I'm going to paint. There's much right. more woven into them. To get. Does that make sense? Yes. Oh yeah, perfectly. And that that was very well said. Thank you. It's it actually reflects in the piece. So for example, your pieces are incredibly intentional and I've noticed that on your feed and my pieces as well, when they, when they, uh, when they're finished, you know, and on the walls, they just, they resonate with this feeling. And so if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I mean, I can't really afford it at you know, for some extra money and for an investment, you have this piece that is just glowing and vibrating and anchoring the energy in your space. And that is so much more valuable to me. And I think to a lot of people than just having, you know, a tar- a piece from Target or, you know, something that doesn't have the energy and the love in it and and that's really it's so wonderful that etsy exists you know because because it it provides a platform i know a lot of people have complaints about it but um it provides a platform for that so yeah it's it's all integrated and so yeah my hope and prayer for this conversation is that even one person out there listening goes oh right the wool Oh, those come from animals, right? I mean, it's kind of like when people eat meat and they go to the, 
they go to the uh, meat, meat department, they're not thinking about the animals where they came from. They're thinking about how good this pork thing tastes or bacon or whatever. And uh, there's that disconnect, you know? So yeah, my intention here with you, it's so wonderful. Thank you for having me is to kind of bring all that together and honor that. And I, I think that's really coming back. Uh, I think more and more people are really wanting that connection with their food and connection with their art and yeah, I think so other too. Things. Yeah. And I feel like it, um, that it can be, um, that there can be a softness and a gentleness to all of it, that it doesn't have to, um, come with shame or, um, or like a, a rigidity of feeling like, oh, I was doing something wrong and now I need to do it right. And those kind of really strict what containers that I think are tempting to fall into in our culture. And I, yeah. I feel like there's kind of this beautiful, or I, I, I just kind of a gentle love, that love, just kind of inviting more of that into our lives, into art making, yeah. into everything. And I think that's really beautiful. And we're not always perfect, right? I mean, I have leather boots. I mean, I need, I needed them and I bless them and I'm not perfect. I don't like to have leather, anything leather, but if it happens, it happens. And I try not, I try to have, I try to bring in that softness. I try to cultivate that. And there are a lot of uh, artists out there who spin fibers and they get them from, you know, a place that's not great to the animals, but then they bless it and it feels better. So I don't make that my practice, but there are times when I have used that. It doesn't feel the best, but again, I don't have the shame around it. And I try to just soften. And, and what's really so wonderful is that there are so many more resources out there lately now that it just doesn't, you know, you don't have to go, okay, you know, I'm going to just do it, you know, when it doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to talk a little more in depth about your relationship and connection to color. I think we both have a deep connection to color, and how you how you feel them, how you work with them. Anything you want to share about color? Yeah, well, I've always had a connection to color, and so I studied color when I was doing feng shui design, and I kind of all the color theories out there were just uh, felt really counterintuitive to me. It was kind of like mix this with this, mix this with this. And none of it felt really good until I took one workshop. I think it was, I don't know, must've been in the two or maybe 2000 with a woman, Betty Merkin, who's a colorist and she's had her, her stuff in museums and and uh, that workshop kind of opened my eyes. It was very experiential and uh, feeling into the, the frequencies of the colors and the energies. And I just kind of launched myself into about a 10 year um, practice with colors and experimenting on spaces. And um, I resonate with colors and how they make me feel. And of course I know like the basics it's really good to mix cools and warms or, you know, maybe some of the basics, but uh, it's all again, intuitive and how I feel about them, not what my mind says needs to set needs to go on here. So it can sell or 
what what maybe the color theorists have to say about it. So it's hard to teach that because it is such an intuitive uh, process. Um, in this course in 2000 that I took with Betty Merkin, uh, she had us mix like uh, a lot of the different colors to, to get all the different colors in between. And all those colors in between, I, I started to understand, you know, physiologically, like look at them and feel them, how I felt. And, you know, looking at nature, you can, you can really emulate that and how you're feeling on the inside. So, you know, my process is I have my color, my colors out and I see what I'm feel what I'm feeling in the moment or um, in, in a meditation colors might come to me like, oh, pinks and grays, you know, or like the last piece I did, I uh, called it a silver lining and it was, I was watching the sunset. So the sky is really big here. It's only, it reminds me of the ocean because it's so vast and expansive. And, and I saw this rain cloud go by and it was at sunset. So there were all these pinks behind it. And I was like, oh yeah. Oh, oh right. And I listened, I felt it and I listened and I did it. And, uh, and then, you know, I did the violet flame and that was, there's a lot of purples and whites and what does the flame look like and feel like. And right now, as I move into these kind of larger felted textural pieces, I'm going more with um, neutrals. So I'm really into like the color neutrals, but then I'll, I might work with some of the dyed colors that's what's happening right now and it's never I don't know if this happens to you Emma but it's never the same in my head as when I get to, to the actual table for you it's the table and for me it will be the felting table but right now it's my big loom um, it's never the same I'm like oh yeah and I and I just so now I don't even like I just go okay yeah yeah that came to me and I'm, I'm my mind is thinking about it and then I go yeah yeah and then I just kind of like, okay, I'm going to just, I hear you, but we're going to just go with what, you know, comes through. Hmm. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, that resonates so much. Exactly. I could have just said <laughs> what you said. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're a kindred spirit. I could feel it in your art, even in, in, uh, just on Instagram. So hmm. I'm like, yeah, you get it. Yeah. Um, can you share, um, a little bit about your, if your daily rituals or the rhythm of your days and how your art weaves into that and anything you yeah well I think like all of us we have cycles right and so in 2020 it was just like this voracious fast couldn't get got up couldn't just was you know it was just this um devotion to expressing and it was it was so so coming so fast and and sometimes that would work against me but in the end it was a lesson so mm. you know where I'm like I wouldn't stop and so I would just keep going and then I ended up pulling stuff out you know later and oh there you are but that stopped um kind of towards the end of 2020 so it I'm like how I wonder how long this is gonna last it's kind of like creative like like waterfall that's coming coming out of me um and I just learned so much and I'm so grateful for it and I've experimented with weaving on wire and weaving weaving on steel weaving on copper and different size looms and different you know all kinds of different things so 
then it kind of stopped and I wasn't excited anymore about that. And now it's moving into something different. So that's kind of the bigger sort of transitional thing. As far as a daily ritual, I sit in meditation every day and I do a body practice to, to help me feel embodied. It's a practice called continuum and you can just Google it. And it's just about moving slow and finding that embodiment. And so I've been really bringing that in. So as I mentioned, I went through a dark night of the soul time. And so I really was my full-time job doing energy work on myself. So I've maybe done probably now close to 3000 sessions on myself, you know, something like that. So it was really like my full-time job. And so it became habitual. So now um, I have these amazing views here. And so I'm blessed in that way. It wasn't always like that, but here I wake up and I, and I, um, you know, I take care of my needs and then I, I sit and I bring in my guides. And uh, even when I'm not feeling good, I still sit. I put music on sometimes. I get on the floor and connect with the gravity of the earth. And I find that when I do that, that's when, that's when I have a really good art session. That's mm -hmm. when, yeah. And so I know, you know, I know that a lot of us have to kind of fit it in in between, you know, caring for others, caring for kids. I don't have human children. So that's, you know, I have more time, especially since COVID, you know, kids are at home. Um, I just would like to say though, that having that ritual, whether it's lighting a candle or just breathing and uh, closing your eyes and kind of seeing what's going on. It's, it's not um, ex that acceptable. I mean, a lot of people meditate, but it's not that acceptable in our culture to slow down. It's not, it's like, even, even now when we're all at home and working from home and it's still fast and do, and what can I get done? And so I, it's always a practice for me. I mean, I'm there with, with everyone. And so uh, cultivating slowness, that's, that's what I want to say about a ritual. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and an ongoing practice. Yeah. I feel yeah. Like, oh, my oh, goodness. So I've this, that um, the time of the pandemic has been an incredible gift in many ways in my life. And one of them is slowing down the forced sitting still and not being able to frantically run around in ways that I was. And I found yeah. my relationship to, to slowness has completely, I don't think I had a relationship to it before, or, uh, I did, you know, it was not present in my yeah. life or I was ignoring it constantly, <laughs> like push it aside, push it too. I'm too busy. You know, there's too much yeah. to do. And exactly. now I crave it and I need it every day. And nice. so, yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious to talk with more people who, who are connecting more deeply to slowness and, and kind of going against that cultural norm of rushing right. you know, and the gifts that lie within that slowness, especially through art making, like what emerges when there's that expansive time when it's not so jittery and like yeah. frantic. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's an ongoing practice, but I highly recommend it. Me too. Yeah. 
Um, well, actually, a, a question just popped in my mind that I want to ask you about. So as you're transitioning from your weaving and moving into wet felting, I'm curious if there is there any grief coming up for you about kind of having weaving transition or maybe coming to an end or, or not? Um, no. Um, I mean, I think the grief or the sort of sadness is that I don't have this sort of voracious appetite like I had, like, what happened? Mm -hmm. um, but no, it actually doesn't um, because the new thing that I'm moving into is so in alignment, is so... Mm -hmm right there you know I mean if you compare that to the dark night of the soul time where the first part of it is just going through this grief process of fill in the blank happened to me when I was a kid or fill in the blank whatever whatever the grief is and for me it was my childhood and you know that to me is like this grief process I had I left my uh, I stopped designing spaces I closed my business you know that kind of thing and so there was that kind of very a long period of grief or extended period of grief during the dark night of the soul time. And this is way different. This is like, uh, no, this is, I'm coming into more of myself. Mm. And so, yeah, because it just, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of an inventor that way. I like to create new things on my own, kind of like you do, mm -hmm. you know, take, take, um, take those things or borrow, I don't want to say take, but borrow and receive those those things that we've learned are from different cultures. I mean, weaving, of course, we know is ancient as a sewing and uh, felting is even more ancient. And to me, I'm just like, oh, that, that dates back, you know, 8,000 BCE or something like that. So it just goes so far back and not a lot of people are doing it. And so I'm so curious. I want to do the thing that not a lot of people are doing and what's calling to me and, um, you know, not a lot of people are doing it. And then I have this, this vision and I don't know if it's going to come out that way. I'm sure it won't. And, and yeah, expressing that is just, uh, is very divine and staying in that and not thinking about, Oh, is this going to sell? Are people going to like it? You know, and just staying in that, uh, that, so there was not that, uh, there has not been that. I mean, it's intense right now. I mean, like it is, it's intense energy out there. Right. And I am moving through that every day in my practice and, um, moving just, you know, healing, he I'm still healing and helping others to heal. And so there's that, which almost feels like mud right now, but I feel like it's coming. I feel like with spring, it's going to, kind of lift some but yeah and there is something I, I was reading or I saw on Instagram on I follow teach not Han and he said um no or you know he posted or his people posted a no mud no lotus <laughs> right it's not yeah. awesome yeah no beautiful. mud no lotus mm -hmm. so so there you go so while I'm not like in grief there's there's a a deep intensity and a deep um, call to be present and to learn to be okay with this and to still create beauty. Mm. So. Oh, amazing. Mm. Yeah. Well, I have just a couple more questions for you. Okay. I feel like we could talk for 
a long one. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm curious about, uh, this is something that's been on my mind lately, about uh, your relationship to money and, and valuing um, your work, and, and especially when it's uh, spiritual and it's deep and it's all interwoven and how, how you think about money in your life and as an artist and anything you want to share about that. Money is really uh, probably, wouldn't you say, Emma, it's the most, uh, it's the biggest challenge for artists, wouldn't yeah. you say? And I'm not unlike other artists, and I've gone, I've, I've gone through that a lot, especially when I was weaving in the beginning. I had a lot of self-doubt and imposter syndrome, and I just was learning things so easily, and then, and then that stuff would come in, and it's an opportunity to heal stuff. And then I would take what would come up in the process of my weaving. So the flow of negative thoughts, for example, and then I would stop and take a note, or I would actually stop and do energy work on myself about that. And so I've done a lot of work with energy. So I work with the subconscious mind. And so I would say, I would ask myself and muscle testing which means, you know, you use your fingers or different ways to get a yes answer, no answer. Some, some people use a pendulum. And I would ask my subconscious mind, you know, so I would say statements like, I love money. And then I would get a no. Or money supports me and I would get a no. And, or, um, you know, and so there were these deep, there are these deeper, as with everyone, not just artists, but all of us, we have these subconscious beliefs around money, deserving, worthiness, and what I really believe and have experienced is that until we get to that subconscious level, none of it really works. So however we do that through prayer, through energy work, through therapy, through mindfulness, through whatever, through fill in the blank, your favorite practice, we won't be able to release that. And I believe that that blocks us. I really do believe that that blocks us. So of course, if you're spiritual, you have a connection to your spirit guides, you know, they're, they're here to help us, our angels. And, you know, they give me a lot of support. So, um, and you also have to be fairly comfortable with risk-taking. And so I feel like uh, I, I, I am quite comfortable with risk-taking and it's not, it doesn't always feel good, but you just, something about art and you just can't, uh, you can't really like, um, you know, compartmentalize it or go in your mind and try to figure it out before you actually do it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's really your comfort level. I, you know, a lot of my money that I make in my energy healing goes to support my art. And, you know, I think in 2020, I was like spending like crazy because, you know, I just was like, I was, I was fiber obsessed. And then a lot of it I haven't used. And, I just don't have that shame. I give it, I've, you know, I've given all that away and here I am. And so I think that one, I've had to work on dispelling those subconscious programs around money. That's been really helpful. And two, trust and faith. And three, having this connection with my spirit guides or my, or God and, and God and source and my heart and trusting and uh, feeling that it's the right way, right? Like I'm, I'm investing in things right now, for example, 
in my new felting um, um, love and and you know I, I am more I'm not gonna like dive in and spend thousands of dollars right away I'm gonna you know be more careful than last time <laughs> and yet it's okay I know it's right and I'm spending the money and it's okay money supports me so yeah, I feel like, I don't know about you, Emma, because I'd love to hear what, you know, what works for you. I'm sure your listeners would love to hear, but any of just like affirmations or anything on the conscious level without really looking at the subconscious uh, just never worked, has worked for me. Yeah, I'm, I really appreciate you sharing all that because I'm in the middle of doing that deep dive into the mm-hmm. unconscious in particular with my relationship to money, because I can feel that there's a lot there that is from my childhood, from the culture, from yeah. being raised under capitalism, all these things yeah. that, that are in there. And I'm, and I'm starting to kind of pull them apart, try to get to the roots so I can, um, really release them. So I'm yeah. in that because I can feel that it, it has this, uh, there's tension with my, within my relationship to money that I, that feels like it's no longer serving me. It doesn't feel, it feels like an old pattern. It doesn't feel like it's really what it wants to be in my life now. So I'm in that kind of in-between space of trying to just feel through that and, and heal it and, and really look at it and question it. Like what, what is my, and where is it coming from and where am I putting value and why And all of those things are kind of swirling around in me right now. That's so great. That's wonderful work you're doing there. And that's it. That's the work, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard. (laughs) It's messy and it is challenging, but incredibly healing rewarding freeing Uh I already feel even though I'm you know I'm in it it feels like this weight is being lifted off of me because I'm no longer on this autopilot like just stuck in these loops of chasing money and then feeling like I never have enough no matter how much I have and then chasing more and just I can see that I used to be in these loops so I'm Mm -hmm. that is incredibly empowering to feel like even that I can see the loop whoa there's okay there's space there now I can play with that and yeah beautiful that's beautiful yeah it's you know I think that's one of the wonderful things about being an empath is that we like to do these deep dives and these deep dives are you know a lot of some people don't can't do that you know they it's too painful and so I'm grateful for that yeah yeah and I'm grateful to connect with other empaths who get it. Me too. Yeah. Me too, sister. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we um, kind of come to the end, I'm just curious if there's anything else that you'd like to share or offer that we haven't talked about yet. Wow. Well, I just want to offer that if anyone listening has any questions, if you're an artist, especially if you're a weaver uh, or I, I, I can't, you know, I'm in the beginning of my stages of felting, but, you know, I can offer you what I have. If you please reach out and uh, would love to, you know, connect on Instagram. Um, 
And I've just really enjoyed talking to you, Emma, just mm-hmm. about all these wonderful things. And and uh, thank you. Oh, thank you. I yeah. really enjoyed it too. You, <laughs> this is a gift, and I really hope it'll reach whoever it needs to reach. It'll ripple. Right, it and will. Them, and that's yeah. the magic of this podcasting thing. Yeah, you're you love your podcast. It's such a wonderful gift that you give to the world. So oh, thank you. Thank you. All right, Cheryl. Well, I think that's, that's it. Okay. Well, Emma, thank you. Oh, thank you.